We are live. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read and something we've learned that's been a source of inspiration and new learning for the entrepreneurs and founders that we work with. As ever, let me start by saying a great big welcome to Mr. Anthony Enright. Hi, Ben. Hi, Alex. And of course, an equally wonderful welcome to Mr. Alex Moore. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, both. Hello, both. So um, this week we have, as we always do, shared our stories with each other of things that we've seen, that we've actually experienced, things we've read that we felt were inspirational and something that we've learned or, or have sh- had a, an entrepreneur or found a share with us in terms of a, a learning they've applied to their business to great effect. And this week, our theme that connects our stories is the power of clarity. Uh, I think most of us have experienced times in our, our business lives where people have come to us pleading for greater levels of clarity. So all of our stories connect on that theme. And I think uh, this week, chaps, I'm starting us off with something I've seen around this. So if I may, I will share. Um, this story was actually inspired by a conversation I had with um, someone who's running a, a successful business. And it was a conversation around the contract. And I guess we could call it a small C contract with their teams and thinking about how do we balance those contracts with our teams? By which I mean, we all know how important it is to help your team um, be open and honest and share perhaps emotionally as well as um just being focused on on task and achievement we, we we want that we want an environment where people can feel safe to to share and support each other equally of course work teams are environments that are about productivity and about um progress and that's what you're looking for from the team and i, I always felt it's very important to be honest about that it's it's not you know pe- people being in your team is not unconditional right they, they have a role they have responsibilities they have deliverables and objectives and and clearly that it, it i think perhaps in too many businesses it can be unspoken but if you don't deliver those objectives and those um those deliverables and the things you need to do, then ultimately it's going to lead to saying, well, you can't be part of this team anymore. I'm very sorry. And off you go, you know. Um, So the question is, to what extent do we balance that contract? Where are we explicit? And what do we allow to be implicit in terms of those messages? And I'm sure we've all seen the sort of more exotic examples of that from time to time. I remember there was a company I heard of that that shared their firing policy with staff on their first day. At one level, wow, what amazing clarity. At another level, is that is that the first message you want to be sharing with a, a new person? On the flip side, is that the best message to share on the first day? Because then you don't have to share it further down the track when it might be more difficult. So this was a rangy conversation. And as I say, not one that came to any particular conclusion, but would be very appreciative, gentlemen, of your thoughts. Mr. Enright. Well, this is one I've learned the hard way. Um, I think in the past, I think I've been quite poor at contracting with the people I'm working with and with my teams. And actually what it's what it's done is it's led to um, actually people being quite frustrated with me and people feeling like I've disrespected them and, and are disrespecting them. 
And actually, you know, when I when I sort of exited um, my business quite a few, well, about four or five years ago now, um, and started on the new journey, it's something that the three of us spoke about, and and things that sounded a bit silly at the time of meeting start on time, they end on time, they must have an agenda, which 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 has definitely come from 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 you, Alex. But actually, what I've really learned along the journey is that 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 for me, it's about a respect thing, a respect around how we want to work together. And regardless of position, whether I'm the founder, the owner, the CEO, that actually we're all going to work to the same rules. So we're all on the same page. And and I think doing that and having lived with that now for at least the last three years and really matured in that way personally, is that actually it just brings us to a higher standard and and gets us respecting each other way more. And actually, everybody's on the same level and with the same level of expectation. Um, so for me, I think it's incredibly powerful. I feel a little bit, a little bit embarrassed actually about the way I would have behaved previously as, as owner in the fact that I just wouldn't, you know, if I had something else on, I just wouldn't turn up to a meeting or I'd keep people waiting. I wouldn't necessarily keep people waiting in a meeting room, but I'd definitely keep them waiting at their desk till I was ready to go and actually look back on that with some embarrassment because I think, how dare you, you know, this is, this is every, this is people's time that you're playing with. And so, so for me, contracting and agreeing the way forward is, is, is just a level of respect. And, and, and the piece you said then about explicit rather than implicit, I think there's a danger with the implicit. I think if, it, if it's a bit of an issue, you've got to explicitly contract on it and ask people for, and ask people to agree. Mm, super interesting. I love what you said there. It's around respect and expectation, which feels like a powerful combination. And maybe getting this right makes the hard things easier longer term, doing the hard things early. Alex, what do you think? Like this one, because um, it's actually, you know, I've had a. I've had my own business for businesses for you know thirty odd years now, more actually, if you include some of the businesses I started when I was at school. I was shown his age now. Shown his age. I am. I am. I'm an old git. But there's some good things about becoming an old git, and that's um, you know experience, and um, you know I think I'm slightly calmer and wiser as I got older. And this whole contracting thing, honestly, to be to be honest, this I hadn't heard of this thing ten years ago, and it's now. It's, it's a bit of a lot of people use it in business now. It wasn't a word that I ever remember anyone using before that. And I actually didn't know. I thought, oh, contracting, does that mean we need to sign a contract? And then I realized, no, it's more of a process that people use. And I've seen, you know, being an EO with you guys, we would contract before our meetings and things like that. And now I've seen it being used inside various businesses I'm connected to. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it is, a, I consider it a bit of a modern business practice, really. And this whole idea of contracting up front, what do you want to get out of today? Uh, what are you expecting from me? This is what I'm expecting from you. Um, taking that time up front to do it is, you know, it's rather than the old, the old fashioned business way, I'm your boss, do this by this date, or I'm going to fire you is a lot more of a humane way of dealing with someone. It's a lot more productive and it's the way of the world. So Anthony, you're waving like a madman. Do you, do you disagree? Well, or? I just want to take on, <laughs> on that point and uh, that you've mentioned there and then just say like contracting um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a process, right? I think yeah. it's really important. And I know Ben's dying to get in because ben, ben, ben and I have had some quite rigorous conversations about this because Ben and I were in a session one day together and 
and uh, and I didn't contract and and actually the impact that that had had on the team and I think that was a huge learning that day some years ago now but huge learning and and actually to extend it one of the things that I do that I think works very well although we probably need to ask the people that are on the other end of it is that when I come together with teams that I meet regularly we still contract every single time that's interesting. Um, so, so, so with people that maybe I coach, I, I contract at the beginning, and then when we have sessions, I'll clearly ask for feedback if there's anything we need to do differently. But when I've got a team at the beginning of a day, I'll say, "How do we want to contract? How do we want to work today?" And that what that's encouraging is people to remember how we normally work, but also looking at that iterative improvement process to say, "Well, the last time we we, we had a day together, this is how we contracted. What worked well on that, and what do you want to do?" What do you want to test today? What do you want to improve upon? So we're continually iterating and improving that 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 process of working together. I think it's a great point, and I've seen I've seen some people. I think repetition is actually one of the most powerful tools we have in our arsenal, right? Um, and I have seen people resist it because they think, "Oh, it's going to be boring." I say this every time; it's boring, and they change it up. And the, but actually. The same thing done in the same way every time, whether it's the process or the words we use, I think gives people that sense of safety. It gives people that sense of assurance that someone's got their hand on the tiller here, that it's okay. Even though you might find yourself going, oh, I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again. Well, that's probably when people are beginning to enjoy it as a practice uh, more than, um, you know, being excited by the constant change it's like it's that regular beating of the drum which i think is important but i think we are probably at time on that item i'm sure we could continue to, to discuss much further and i think anthony enright as he is wont to do has read something he would like to share i have read something and there's quite a lot of content on youtube as well so um for people that like this piece you don't you don't necessarily have to sit down and read the book you you, you can go on youtube and look at look at some of the um the, the, the content there and and the book is radical candor by kim scott so it's radical candor by kim scott and it's about how easy is it to give feedback um, and my experience of a lot of the teams that i work with is we're, we're really lousy at giving feedback and the reason why we're generally lousy at giving feedback is we we don't want to upset anybody we don't want to rock the boat we don't want to be seen to be rude um, but actually when you ask people would you like feedback I mean, without hesitation, their answer is yes. They don't even think twice. It's like, yes, I want feedback. But yet, so a lot of us sit in the camp of going, yes, I'd like feedback. But we also sit in the camp of, I don't really want to give feedback because I'm worried it's going to upset somebody. So Radical Candor, um, Kim Scott goes a ways to explain what happens when you actually don't give that feedback and the damage that can do. Um, and I think I've certainly seen a lot of um, examples myself where you just you let things sit and you let things fester. And then what can happen is something innocuous happens, yet you react in a particular way because it's a build up. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. So she argues for the fact of following her. She's got a number of different techniques, but the one I liked is is hip. Right. So if you want to remember how to give feedback and it's hip, so it's be humble, be helpful be immediate, be in person. And if it's good feedback, do it in public. If it's bad, do it in private and never make it personal. So that's the final P, never make it personal. And so I've been following some of this and actually, and with the teams that I work with, 
And we've been talking about definitely in person, definitely direct, you know, where you get the, as a leader, you get that, oh, this person really upset me. And can you have a word with them? Because it it really upset me. It's like, no, no, you need to do it in person directly with that individual. Like if it needs further help and we can't overcome it, yeah, I'll come in and I'll, I'll mediate. But to begin with, no, we've got to do it directly. But one of the areas that, 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 that people find it really hard is, is the humble bit, not making it personal, the sort of empathy, if you like, towards the situation. And I think that takes time. I think that's a work in progress. But certainly for me, I've learned that um, even direct feedback where the person may be a little bit upset and you may have not got, you may not have delivered it that well. It may be seen a bit personal, but actually, that's better than no feedback at all. And I just wondered what what your thoughts were on that on that question. Is is direct feedback where you've upset somebody better than no feedback at all? What do you think, Ben? I, I have to say, I think if it's effective feedback, then sometimes it's gonna it's gonna land in a way that's a bit painful, and that's perhaps comes back to your example there. And that it, it's um, it's that humility and and, and honesty and it, it, I mean I think the most difficult thing in my experience is is the the place it comes from has got to be authentic. It, it, you can't you can't make this you can't manufacture this stuff um, when it comes to I'm genuinely sharing this with you because I think it's what is going to be helpful to you and and is what you need to hear. Um, and if you can have that mindset. I think you can share feedback that may be a little painful. I mean, you know, it's, it's the metaphor, like the metaphor of sort of exercise. Uh, I don't want to, I could be trite and say no pain, no gain, but the most transformational feedback is often, um, is often difficult to lead into. Um, but the other thing I'd say as well is, of course, it's important that we maintain balance in our feedback because as, as, as you shared, feedback isn't all bad <laughs> it is just as important um to to be sharing positive feedback uh, to catch people doing something right and tell them they've done it is for me critical and i've seen a lot of leaders struggle with this because when they hear feedback they're just thinking oh this is about where i criticize everyone and tell them they're not good enough and how they need to be better and actually i, I i'd always want to broaden it out and go no no this is the culture of your business in terms of of when we call out the good and the bad and and there was a piece of research i saw a while ago that you know, critical feedback can have seven times more intense and emotional impact than positive feedback it's interesting most of us the, the positive feedback sort of washes over us and doesn't really have much impact the negative feedback we absolutely feel i mean it's not a great surprise perhaps and so for a leader it kind of should give you a rough ratio to work with that if you you know we should aim for seven times more positive pieces of feedback than negative and that means we're probably getting the balance right um, across the business now of course if you're dealing with performance management issues or somebody is is not doing a great job in their role and you, you may have to tip that balance but fundamentally um making sure our feedback is balanced feedback is balanced i think is critical and and we always give due consideration is to you know is this the feedback at the right time is this the feedback that this person you know, should i be giving this feedback you know is now the time you know if if, if you know the, the time to give someone feedback about a failure when you're watching them 
absolutely distraught and killing and beating themselves up over it. The time to then give your critical feedback about that may be later. <laughs> you know, they may be doing a perfectly good job of feeding back to themselves about how terrible this thing has been. And they really don't need someone coming in rubbing salt in that wound right now. And there will be a time where you need to sit down and actually give that feedback um, in terms of, of what we need to do differently as a result of this. So I think it's subtle, it's complicated, it's hard, it's difficult. It's a, it's a, it's a lifelong journey of learning to get good at this stuff, um, for me at least. What do you think, Alex? Um, yeah, I'm taking a lot from this conversation. The I'm a big fan of criticise privately, praise publicly. Um, big key and for me a culture built on personal development and where everyone wants to learn everyone wants to get better it's vital I am a I hate the annual appraisal approach again it's quite an old fashioned isn't it let's always your, your anniversary is coming up let's sit down here's the checklist how would you score yourself and all this and I'm just I move to a total system of come on guys we've got to all give each other feedback a lot and come on we're all in this together we all want to get better at what we do so let's all help us get better and i think with that kind of approach and slowly weaving it in it can be unbelievably transformational to a business so it's 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 key it's key and i do like that hip thing i think that's good too so thanks for sharing that anthony Thank so you. do you want to uh, wrap that up yeah, as, as a man chuck that one on the table what yeah, do you, I, think what ben, do you... I think ben there reminded us about the balance Right, because I think even when I when I'm thinking about it, when I'm talking about it, it's about negative feedback. Right, it's not about praise. Um, and I think so. So Ben reminds us there, it's about both. You've got to get the balance right. And I think um, Alex, I love that saying there. We want to be better. Like, how often do we explicitly like coming back to what we discussed a moment ago about contracting? You know, do we contract that with our staff, with our people? Like, we all want to get better. Is that something that's part of our culture, part of our DNA, part of our values that we all want to get better? Because if you don't, then this probably isn't the right place for you. Um, and I, yeah, that, 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 I wonder why we don't all explicitly discuss that. You know, just to confirm, we all want to get better, don't we? We want to make this easier. So we want to get better at what we do and progress. Yeah. Which I would argue is contracting. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was going. Is, <laughs> it all, is that, all roads that, go yeah, back yeah, to contracting. Absolutely. absolutely. So um, at that point, we're now moving on to our learned analytics. You're going to, you've learned something. <sighs> Doesn't often happen, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, but no, I got it. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a wacky one, but it is linked to the power of clarity. And it's about, um, I've, I've, ca- I've called it, sometimes it's good to have enemies which sounds a bit wacky, but bear with me. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier this morning, funny enough, and we're talking about this quote from that was attributed to Churchill, but he actually never said it. But it says, you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. And um, we ended up having this conversation with my friend about how many, how many enemies do you have? <laughs> and isn't it good to have them? Um, and yeah, it is. It does show that you have, I, I don't know, I, I feel that, there is a point in life to be adaptable and especially in business and, you know, pleasant. I don't believe in this. You have to become horrible to do well in business at all. Actually, most successful business people I know are actually really quite charismatic, nice people. But sometimes, you know, the power of clarity, if someone is being an absolute dickhead, 
you stick it, you stick up for what you believe in and there is no wiggle there is no contracting there is no niceness you just you just have a bit of a war with them and you can go your own way and um, you know that point of sticking up for yourself that point of stick, sticking up for what you believe in in you know whether that is uh, you know it's a business thing it's it's a an issue you've come in your business it's some moral dilemma um you know there's that there's that point knowing your point in the sand and sticking to it and you know to hell with the consequences quite empowering ben do you agree as a man who doesn't really like confrontation if i may this say is true. No, do this you, is true do you i was going to say how do you find how, yeah, how do you I find that i find this um yeah it's, it's interesting and and i i i agree with you i mean i think i am someone who's probably uh i i tend to be at the end of the spectrum which wants to accommodate people that's just how I'm built and and how I roll um at the same time I absolutely agree that yeah if you if you're not willing to stand up for those things that you believe in potentially making someone uh, making an enemy of someone um then you're probably not standing up for anything ever and yes I do have a few people I'd regard as were, were enemies for, for brief periods of time um equally i i guess i'm i'm i'd always be cautious just coming from the other end of the spectrum that i don't think i've ever actually met anyone in my life who regards themselves as a villain very rare that you know these people are twirling a mustachio and going ha 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 i'm so nasty i i did this terrible thing and i'm glad it it most people, even when sharing something that we violently disagree with, genuinely see themselves as the hero in their own story and righteous in some way. And I guess what I've always tried to do is appreciate that what this person is arguing for or um, the position they're adopting, they believe that they're right. You know, they they may be, in my view, completely wrong, but they believe that they're right and, and sort of dealing with them in that way. Um, they, they've got some narrative or some story in their head that explains to them in, in what they see as a completely logical way why they are entirely righteous in, in this fight. And I found that quite useful in terms of getting more clarity on the situation for me and then being able to deal with it, progress it, and move well, move on personally, um, but potentially move the situation on too. Um, it's funny. There's, we 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 encounter what we experience as badness or evil, uh, but I, you know, I've never met anyone who who regards themselves in that way. And isn't that a curious thing about the world and the way it works? <laughs> Anthony, what do you reckon? Well, I, as always, uh, I'm not sure how you can follow that, Ben. But um, I guess, I guess for me, it's like you never set out to have an enemy, right? You never set out to have that. But I think there are times where you just feel, you know, what in this moment at this time, I need to stick up for this person or this thing or myself. And I've certainly experienced that a lot. I probably do it. I probably do it less now that I'm more experienced and older. Because I probably, you know, to, to your point, Ben, I'm probably a little bit more empathetic to where they're coming from and understand where they're coming from and that can calm me. But I think certainly when I was younger, I probably had a lot more enemies when I was younger than I do now, simply because it was just like, no, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to pick this fight and uh, and it's important to pick it and I'm going to do it. Clearly not physically, but, um, and 
I think the the reality now is that I just think it's you got to for me I pick and choose and I go is this a fight worth 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 fighting is this a, is this something worth doing and sometimes clearly it is and sometimes it isn't um and um but I think you know you're absolutely you know rounding this all up I think it's important that if you believe in something and even if you acknowledge that the other person isn't doing it deliberately you've got to somebody's got to stand up and I wonder whether it's a lot of the entrepreneurs in the room that do it I mean people that I talk to that feel that they stand up they feel very lonely at that time they feel like why am I the only one that stands up and says something even though in the background everyone's saying it and talking about it but they're not prepared to stand up and do it um so a little bit um, tied in with our radical candor about that feedback is that, you know, why does it tend to be the entrepreneurs in the room that, 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 that are those that, that are willing to do it? Well, maybe we've got the confidence and maybe we've got the uh, the experience behind us to be able to do it. But yeah, um, so I, I take some comfort in that quote, um, in, in knowing that, that, that I do have people that if you ask their opinion of me, they may not be that complimentary. <laughs> there aren't many though, Anthony. There can't be that many. <laughs> Well, should we find out? <laughs> <laughs> so how would you wrap it up, Alex? Yeah, I've, I've, I've just written down the, you know, the, the courage to maintain clarity. That's what I'm taking from this conversation. Uh, it is, you know, a, as a founder, you set out, you want to achieve something, you want to change the world, whatever. And there's the, the, the keeping focused, keeping your clarity and then, you know, being courageous when things get in the way. So it's, of course, not, you know, deliberately sorting, seeking out um, confrontation for confrontation's sake, but just being brave, which is, you know, a lot of founders are. You are when you start your own business, aren't you? So uh, that's, that's what I'm taking away from today. Courage. Marvellous. Well, I believe we're at time. So I'll do what I do, guys, try and summarise uh, our, our learning for today. First of all, how do you contract with your team? There is always that initial opportunity to put on the table the realities of being part of a business and a team. Maybe ensuring the rules are visible and offering a constant reminder can align respect and expectation. That can make the hard things easier in our experience. And maybe it can make you a calmer and wiser leader too. How do you feed back to your team? Does your feedback have the impact you intend? And actually, how do you measure that? There are a range of tools to help us and Radical Candor offers some great tips. Can you find a way that works for you? remembering that coming from a good and authentic place of looking to help those around you will allow you to share feedback that inspires and generates progress. Equally importantly, do you balance your criticism and your celebration of what is good? And finally, do you have a list of enemies? Maybe recognising that we have an obligation to stand up and there is undoubtedly truth in Alex's quote that if you have no enemies, maybe you've not stood up enough. Can you find the courage to maintain clarity and without seeking conversation or looking to make more enemies than you need, be brave in your endeavours? Some great learning today, guys. Some great learning. Thank you very much. As ever, uh, my final thoughts for us all are to remind us that uh, 
Founder Hacks is not just this podcast. It is also a blog and newsletter. And if you would like your Founder Hacks in written form, you can sign up at www.atomics.co.uk. A huge thank you, of course, to Mr. Alex Moore. Thank you, guys. Learned a lot from you two today. It was a good one, wasn't it? I actually, yeah, very, very informative. And of course, uh, an equally huge thank you to Anthony Enright. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Till next time, this has been Founder Hacks. I've been Ben Thomas, and thanks very much indeed for listening.